so here's the picture. We're having the, the film festival here in town, which is in its 17th year. The film festival brings films to our town. And this year, the big whoop was uh, Bill Nye. And here's the degrees of separation. The connection to Bill Nye documentary is that one of the filmmakers, one of there's two young men, he went to Nevada Union High School. So dig this. I'm just sitting at home Monday. Well, not sitting at home. I think I was picking tomatoes or something or making some sort of tomatoy thing and I get a phone call from an old friend of mine who was in a punk band called Crime his name is that he was Hank Rank then his name is now Henry Rosenthal well it's always been and he's a producer on, on many documentaries including The Devil and Daniel Johnston um, the JT Leroy story he did one on uh, mathematics the list goes on anywho I answer it because it's his his number he's in San Francisco and he says hi have you heard of the film festival? And I said, yeah, duh. Why are you calling? And he said, well, I'm, I'm the executive producer of the new Bill Nye movie. Would you please come and see it? And I said, well, when is it? And he's like, now. I go to meet my friend Henry, and then I meet Bill. And he says, oh, hi. Oh, you're Mary St. Mary, the radio girl. And I said, do you want to go to the radio station? It's air-conditioned. You can just sit and chill. I wanted to give the man, uh, you know, an almond at least. So anyway, this is my talk with Bill Nye. Hi, uh, you're tuned to KVMR FM Nevada City. This is Mary St. Mary and the Underground Sound with me tonight in studio. The one, the only, the guy who made science sexy, Bill Nye. Greetings! There he is. He's a, he's kind, he's really a jester. He's a punk and he's someone that you might, and not like a bad punk. You're like punk with cred. Punk and, with cred. Yes. A man can dream. You can. You, I told you, you're the sexy scientist. There's an, an amazing new documentary uh, that bears your name, bears a bit of your soul, but also ta- uh, tackles some very serious topics um, with the climate change. And I did not know climate deniers were a thing. Oh, man, that's a, it's a whole industry, a whole uh, offshoot. Uh, it's a, an arm of fossil fueling. Uh, the, the, the fossil fuel industries work very hard to introduce uh, doubt about climate change. Spend so, a lot of money on it. And these are the Fox News types. Fox News is exceptional. And they're, hey, everybody, if you're a Fox News listener, better yet, if you're a Fox News producer, just imagine the broadcast without, without the other side just what else are they talking about right now on fox besides how the other side is bad i, I <laughs> don't like even I, they're out of material i've right tried now. to it's weird i've tried no, to i guess they'll be back i've tried to watch it's, it's like a real bad comedy show i well, don't but bear in mind that there are people that think the same about our side right but uh just but i don't understand how anybody has gives them any cred they just they don't even the same seem way about you Yes, but they don't even seem intellectual. They just seemed... It's like watching that, that woman who... False alternative facts lady. It's like uh, it's, Sarah Palin, you mean? There's that oh, one. Oh, oh, you mean... Uh, Kelly... Uh, Kellyanne Conway. Yeah, there's... Yeah. I hate She's to even give, um, give name to it. The only reason I'm bringing it up is because you had um, a very meaningful part of the film, I thought, was meeting with Garrett... Uh, Garrett Bastardi is Joe Bastardi's son, and Joe Bastardi is a uh, well-known climate change denier. He's a meteorologist from Penn State. Penn State's a venerable institution, uh, a venerable 
uh, has a, ver a venerable meteorology department in the university. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's a little bit of uh, irony in that Joe Bastardi is a graduate of Penn State and Michael Mann, not the guy who made the Miami Vice or whatever the other <laughs> one was, but Michael Mann, the guy who first published the hockey stick graph uh -huh. in 1995. And uh, they're both at Penn State. It's uh, an eyebrow raiser. Yeah, I'm raising my eyebrows. My, my, I'm sort of doing Scooby-Doo right now like this, huh? Radio huh? is the most visual medium. She just uh, grew ears and they flopped. But they're filming it, so they know. I guess you could do one of those apps that make you into an animal. I'm not sure. Anyway, uh, Joe seemed like he was willing to meet with you and talk to you, but it gave a little bit more credence with Garrett there. Oh, uh, yeah. So if you haven't seen the film with Joe Bastardi... Uh, mm, tries to or does hold to his point of view that carbon dioxide is such a small fraction of the atmosphere that it couldn't have much of an effect on the climate. But uh, we in the scientific community think it makes about 30, uh, rather, let's see, uh, it's over 20 degrees Celsius difference. So the d 20 degrees Celsius takes liquid water and makes it frozen water. It would change the earth completely uh, from the way we know it. And what I find most appalling about people that so blatantly rape our earth is one of what you asked. Like, well, what about your child? Yeah. I've well, always wondered, do you guys have a special spaceship you're getting into where your family's saved? Because we're all going down. Well, that's keep in mind, that's the mainstream point of view. But the deniers don't subscribe to that. They think it's a cycle. And Joe Bastardi in the film says... He predicts there'll be cooling in the 2030s, but he's of an age where I don't th think either of us will be it. especially productive in the 2030s. We hope to be, of course, but uh, it's uh, hard to be, it's hard to live into your 90s. I mean, people do, and more people are doing it all the time, but you're, you're, you're not at the height, of, you're not playing pro ball at that mm. point. And you, uh, I don't, can't even tell how old you are. You look great. Is your diet something people should know about? Is that a scientific, does that go into your realm of Bill Nye Science Guy? I don't do anything special, everybody. I eat a lot of popcorn. So do I. <laughs> I think that's good. I put uh, Brewers yeast and Bragg's on it. The thing that I would say, I, I just observationally, my grandmother was French. And my ancestors eat a lot of what you would call rich food. There's a lot of cheeses and eggs and things. I remember when eggs were touted as instant the greatest death. Thing. Well, first they're touted as the greatest thing, and then touted as instant death because they have cholesterol. If you look at an egg, you'll die. It was That yeah. went on for a while. But what it is, these people just don't eat very much of stuff. Right. That's, uh, that's what I would say is the big difference between, uh, for example, what they call the Mediterranean diet and the and American diet is small the, portions. The, the portions. That's yeah. the big difference. And speaking of which, in the film, it gets personal, and you go see your family, and there is a genetic um, uh, uh, condition. Condition. Thank you. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> so it's called ataxia. But, but it didn't get you. A, uh, so far, ataxia is a big term. Uh, it's a symptom, not a um, disease or condition as such. So it's in your cerebellum, which is at the base of your brain, and, and uh, my people lose their balance. So they're about, uh, right now it's estimated there are about 80,000 gene combinations 
that affect uh, the performance of your cerebellum. And scientists, especially Johns Hopkins in Baltimore, have sorted out, they believe, 20,000 of those combinations. So they've gone about a quarter of the way through it. So it's not a gene. It's not a gene repeat. It's a combination of gene repeats. It's, it's a compli complicated thing to sort out. But my family is there. They, we take, they take our blood. They have us do all these crazy hand-eye coordination things, all these things with your eyes and your gait walking. Would it be something like having vertigo all the time? Uh, you can ask my sister. But I'd love thing, to. Uh, but the big thing is you, you reach for things. You think you're going to grab something and, or hold something, and you, you miss. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is that falling backwards, that uh, you think you're balanced, but you're not. Mm. And so uh, my dad had it uh, pretty badly. And the, before we had ADA, every, uh, oh, right. America's yeah. Disability Act stuff everywhere, right. uh, my father struggled and he would fall down. And the way he dealt with it, was by being <clears throat> stubborn, by just fighting, I'm fine, don't worry, just carelessness. And it kind of made my mom crazy. Uh, and so they split up and stuff. And my dad, you know, he, he lived to be 80. He, uh, and he uh, died in his sleep of apnea. You know, mm. it's a very common, mm-hmm. a heart attack. Right. It's very common. He did smoke, but he quit after a while. But the ataxia, it, these people live a long time. But their quality of life goes down mm. uh, when you can't just, when you lose your mobility. Right. So, so on, so on. So we're in the study trying to sort it out. And it's very reasonable that in the next 30 years, there'll be a gene treatment okay. to uh, eliminate it, the, the CRISPR technology. It's very reasonable. I'm not guaranteeing that. Yeah, no, he didn't give it his badge. Oh, something I really, really loved was um, your mother. She was a go-getter, man. Teach a woman to fish, she'll eat the wow, rest of the world. Wow, yeah, you yeah. lucked out, I'm telling you. And what's the line? She wasn't Rosie the Riveter. She was... She was a code breaker. So yeah. This, the little bit of the story is uh, the dean... So back east, everybody, is Johns Hopkins University, and then there's Goucher College in Baltimore. And Goucher College used to be the sister school of Johns Hopkins back when we had sister schools. Okay. Now they let boys in. It's co-ed, and my mother, you know, it's gone to hell. I see. Uh, but okay. Back then, it was all women, and the <laughs> dean of students at Goucher, Dorothy Stimson, was the first cousin of Henry Stimson, who was the um, Secretary of War. Okay. Back when it was called the Department of War. And which war? Uh, World War Two. Okay. So he said to his cousin. Do you have any women that can come work on this thing? I can't tell you what it is. So my mom worked on the Enigma code, this notorious German code. And my whole life, she would not talk about it. Oh, I can't talk about it. Ha, ha, ha. She would laugh. And I, they, had a, they, were, declassif- yeah, they yeah. were declassified in 1992, 50 years after they were classified. And um, uh, they still wouldn't talk about it. But a book is going to come out in October. I got an advanced copy of a new book called Code Girls. I did not write it. It had nothing to do with it. But, uh, <laughs> but Liza, your cool mom is in it. Yeah. Uh, um, what's her last name? I'm, we're on the radio. We're live. It's okay. Liza Therm- Thermer. Anyway, um, the, my mom is mentioned. And it's nice. I, I never knew what she did. So she said there was a big map. She did admit to that. And she apparently monitored what was called neutral shipping. 
So these are ships that look to be neutral, but they were actually resupplying German U-boats. And so they would detect these, uh, not with radar, but by getting their, uh, their navigational position, latitude and longitude, by decoding the German Enigma code. That's fascinating. Oh, man, it was... What, and was she physically with you? She wasn't out on a submarine. No, no, she, I wasn't born yet. Ah, yeah, yeah. okay, okay. No, I'm... I was like, I'm oh, old, your mom was I'm just like, mom... <laughs> I can't tell you're pretty ageless. Yes, you're ageless. a bit of an enigma. Yes, an enigma machine. There's so the enigma machine was originally created for banking. Mm. You know how everybody talks about cybersecurity, right? Well, they had the same problem in With paper spies. courier. Well, no, no, just in oh. banking in the 1920s, they wanted to be able for couriers to be able to carry bank information around, and if somebody stole their envelope, they wouldn't know anything. Aye. It would be encoded. But the Nazi government confiscated, as far as anybody knows, all of the machines. And uh, there, were, there were tens of thousands of them built. And so you can go to auctions if you're really motivated and buy an Enigma machine, if that's what you think you want to do. Wow. And they look like a typewriter. But the uh, device that was built, the machine that was built to work backwards by the Allies was uh, as big as this radio studio. I mean, it was... And if you saw the movie... Uh, um, I want to say hidden. It imitation wasn't, it, game. The the. Uh, what is that now? The imitation game. Oh, I. Yeah, the imitation game where they, uh, this guy, the famous mathematician Alan Turing. Yes, uh, uh, with uh, the Benedict guy. guy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Cumberbatch. Yeah, very good-looking young man. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I saw him speak. He's a good guy. Anyway. The, he played Alan Turing in this movie, and they, the British built these enormous this enormous machine to work backwards. And then the Americans, or the U.S., built several of the same machine to decode faster. Mm. And what happened, the, apparently, the German... I read a couple books about it, because, you know, you get caught up in it. But uh, the Germans just uh, got super confident in the code overconfident and, yeah didn't yeah. realize that it, it had been broken Breached. and, mm. and uh, the code is really difficult to break but there were a couple turning points one of them was they captured a uh, code book from a german weather ship that was off the coast of britain mm. and they would report meteorological conditions that the storms go across europe the same way they go across north america west to east so if you have three or four days advance notice as a military you can make uh, battle plans more uh, better. Hmm. So they captured a weather ship and got this Enigma machine. Then they captured a submarine and got, I mean, they got the code book, then they captured a submarine and got the Enigma, the, machine. The Enigma machine itself. But that was pretty far along. Wow. And, and uh, this was really a desperate thing, everybody. You know, we, we all... Um, have very little to do with the wars going on. We in, don't even see pictures yeah, anymore. Yeah, but I mean, in those days, everything was, was about right. winning the war. Right. All the music, all the posters, all the cars. All and the, everybody worked, and there were food rations, yeah, and it was a was very in. united... Uh, but my dad uh, was on Wake Island. He had this idea to build up his nest egg to marry my mom. She, w My grandfather, this family story goes, I mean, this is a myth perhaps, but... He wouldn't let them get married till she was graduated from college. Ah. He believed in education for women. And uh, uh, so my dad took a job on Wake Island building 
an airstrip for the Navy. This is before the Navy had what's nowadays called the Seabees. And there, can there was I no such thing as a Seabee. Keskasei, Wake Island. Wake Island is way west of Hawaii. So you oh. go to Hawaii and then you go another 5,000 nautical miles. Like you fly another five or six hours at airliner speeds to even find this place. And it's as big as this building. Yeah. And it's this tiny wow. atoll, but it is, is it the, the entire important. thing is a uh, airstrip. Pretty much, that's yeah, that's what it looks like now, okay. yeah. And so they, um, it was tactically important uh, to Pan American Airways, so they would fly from San Francisco to Pearl Harbor, from Pearl Harbor to Wake and refuel there and then go on okay. to Midway or what have you, and, uh, uh, and then Shanghai. So, so this uh, started because your, um, your grandfather wanted your mom to finish her education yeah, and my prior dad wanted to marriage. To marry, yeah, my uh. dad wanted to marry. My dad was a couple years older than my mom. It was very traditional. Uh. But uh, he was a prisoner of war for almost four years. If you get a chance to be a prisoner of war, I just wouldn't do it. Just Whoa. Let it Let's say no on that. Yeah, so yeah, I no, just thank came you. Friday night, just a few days ago, I was at the la- what they're calling the last reunion of the defenders of Wake Island. Wow. There are two guys left. Yes, there's three guys left, but there were two guys there when I was there. And they're 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 siblings. They're in their 90s. I mean, they're they're offspring. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. That we all come to this reunion and we look at the books and the maps and the letters, and it's cool. It's a it's a family, a, Wake a Island odd family. Mm. So if my dad is uh, in his ashes are interred at Arlington National Cemetery, huh. and the, the official name of them now is the Defenders of Wake. Wow, that's what they're called. And his mom still alive? No, no, no. neither are still alive. So, um, uh, he had t- in 1981, these civilians were given veterans' benefits. It took that long. It was a long legal battle because they were they were civilians, right? Who uh, were uh, got involved. There were a few Marines on Wake Island because they were anticipating the Navy showing up, right? And but my dad tells the story of carrying sandbags to build gun emplacements and carrying whatever so, uh, or, you know he was uh, what a private in the Marines would be doing. So this movie, uh, this documentary that's about you, um, it really. First of all, how long did they follow you around? With like the two years. Okay, because they got some stuff. They were always there. They were. All the they had time. to be, and it was interesting because it started out, and I was, I ran to meet one of your executive producers at the place that we ended up after the screening, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden I come back, and it's this fascinating other story. So the fascinating life, which when you get down to it, everybody, if you want to tell a story, some people get lucky and have more fascination. But there you are uh, taking snow samples, and you're up, and there's a little... Oh, I mean liter- in Greenland. Yes, yeah, you're yeah. in Greenland, and literally that mountain is, uh, what would you call it? The ice, blocks of ice? Oh, you mean the glacier. Is, the glacier yeah, is yeah. melting right behind right, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At this alarming rate. If that doesn't blow your mind and make you think about what the heck, I don't well, know so what does. Two images, uh, just to, for those of you listening, uh, whatever... We go to the uh, E-Grips, East Greenland Ice Core Research Project, and that's where they're drilling into the ice. Anyway, it's flat, everybody. It's like flat. Really? Flat, 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 and it's white everywhere you look. And you say... And it's cold, cold, cold. It's cold. Beyond cold. You said even the cough 
coffee doesn't steam. That's right. Uh, the coffee might, but your breath doesn't because your mouth gets cold it's very so quickly wild. just breathing. Yeah. Okay. So um, I was just complaining about the, the steam effect that's in every TV show now. <laughs> It's oh, just everywhere. You know what? I was an extra for a long time in the early 80s. They had punk people. And we'd get paid extra for that horrible steam, whatever that is. That oh, the smoke. Yes. Uh, the oil smoke. It's icky. It uh, gets in your eyes. Oil. Yeah. 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 But that aside. Yes. Uh, but so, I digress. Let's go on yeah, further. No, but so it's flat and white. And it's not like I know we're in the mountains here. And you just hey, you get your rifle. You live off the land. Yeah, you're off the grid, man. Yeah, yeah. Well, Come on, let's go to the yurt. And you grow your own everything. things, and then you go to your yurt. You well, have a yurt, and you compost everything. On the ice sheet, there is nothing. Nothing. There is nothing. Not a thing. There is no tree, plant, nothing. How it's about a ice. building? Well, the only building was put there by the University of Copenhagen, and it's plywood. Oh, thank goodness and for it's, them. And it's... Uh, <laughs> And we slept in a tent. It was very nice. Yeah. And, and these, you, wait, like, before I get off to, we get off topic, this same crew of scientists, are well, they scientists? They, then, then, then they pack up and go to Antarctica. Antarctica. Yeah, yeah. So what it, they only drill in the, in the summer because it gets crazy cold. And in Greenland, it gets pitch dark. Uh, There's no okay. light. You, I mean, and you can run lamps and stuff, but it's just a hassle. Right. So they, they, only, um, they only drill in the summer and the same in Antarctica, the only drill in the summer. But then in the movie, so we're on the ice sheet where it's absolutely flat and ice and ice and ice. But then we went down the glacier to where this, uh, remarkable village of Kangarlooswak. I'm pronouncing it as best I can. Say it again. Kangarlooswak. Kangarlooswak. Okay. Kangar. That's what we call it in the Air Force. Ah, okay, I'm going to Kangar. Going to Kangar. four, big buddy. Yeah, well, That's what they do. And so... That's where the toe of the glacier is, the Russell Glacier, and ah. that's where you saw the river of melting water. So the, the water melts from the bottom of the glacier, um, uh, rather flows, I mean, from the bottom of the glacier, and then these melt wells develop where the water gets hit by the sun, rather the ice gets hit by the sun, turns to liquid water, and as it contacts the ice below it, it melts it, carries a little bit of heat and then once the ice once the water starts flowing then the energy of the flow makes the ice melt even faster so you get these deep wells and the glacier gets pockmarked and it's falling apart and then the other thing is dust blows in on top of it and the dark dust is making and this dust is from human activity smoke uh, and stuff uh. The dust uh, makes it melt even faster so and it's what getting worse you guys and worse. said was well you said oh this used to be a crick Oh, that's what, yeah. And now it's a river. It it's literally a river. is so a river. So you, you see Jim White, the uh, researcher from uh, Colorado, was, he's just like, wow, look at this thing. It's, uh, it's a river. And then right behind Bill. Yeah, so they, another fun thing, fun for us, the crew uh, and I were there, and we set up cameras the way you do, and then the glacier fell apart right behind <laughs> me, this huge yeah. chunk of ice. I mean, four or five stories high. I mean, it would weigh several tons. Right. fell down. And they, the guy said, the Danish guy, our buddy, was saying, you know, film crews have been out here for weeks and never Trying see the thing. That. But we went out one day, there you <laughs> literally go. had a picnic. Oh, and, so. Uh, and it, a big piece collapsed behind us. And it's a scary thought. And before I know your time constrained, I did want to get into the solar sailing. Yes. This is so, because I thought, Bill Nye, science guy, what's his end game? You know, okay, uh, there's climate change. You're trying to get everybody 
you go all over the place, touring, speaking, enlightening minds. You got facts. People throw things at you like, you're not a scientist. Where's your PhD? Someone told me PhD f- stands for piled high deep. Yeah, so who so cares? Yeah, yeah, you're well, well, well known. Well, it's important. But you're an institution. I have a 31-year-old son. He grew up with you. So there you have it. But let's talk about the solar sailing because that is mind. You were so happy when that worked. Oh, is man. That- well, it's been years. And uh, so the, the idea is extraordinary but true. Light, even though it has no mass, has momentum. It's pure energy. Photons have momentum. So uh, since the 1920s, people have speculated that if you got a spacecraft of low enough mass and big enough area, it would be pushed through space by the momentum of sunlight, which is quite small. It's uh, nine micronewtons per square meter, and a newton's a unit of force that's equivalent very close to a stick of butter, a quarter, a little less than a quarter pound. Hmm. A newton is the metric unit of force. Uh, anyway, uh, people talk about kilograms force, but that's just, it's imperfect. Don't do that, everybody. Okay. Let's move on. <laughs> uh, so um, uh, anyway, Carl Sagan talked about this, and so did Bruce Murray. And Bruce Murray was the head of the Jet Propulsion Lab during the Viking landings and the Voyager spacecraft, which we still celebrate. A TV special just came out about it. And they, along with Lou Friedman, who was an engineer at the Jet Propulsion Lab, started the Planetary Society. And one of Lou's dreams was to make a solar sail spacecraft. He wrote a book about it that I read long about 1985 because I was a member of the Planetary Society. I'm a charter member from 1980. There you go. And so people talked about this solar sail. Uh... Carl died in 1996. Carl Sagan. Yeah, Carl. I call him Carl. And he was a big influence on you, no doubt. Oh, man. So I spoke. It turns out his kids, Sam and Sasha, watched the Science Guy show. And uh, I spoke at his memorial service in Ithaca, New York. Oh, what an honor. And then I was, yeah. Then I was asked to be on the board of the Planetary Society. So Lou wanted to do this thing. Lou was all excited about this. And Anne managed the money and they flew a solar sail in 2005 which was called cosmos one and it crashed in something called the barents sea which is part of the arctic ocean it's a, a region of the arctic ocean barents and it was b-a-r-e-n-t-s okay. barents got it bing anyway yeah. uh, <laughs> uh anyway uh, that was a waste or a loss of money and very disappointing so in the meantime, Japanese flew the Icarus sail, which was good, but it worked in a different way. The deployment was different. And so we wanted to try it, and we got enough supporters, and we built a CubeSat, which is a, a standard satellite size in centimeters, 10 by 10 by 10. Ours is 10 by 10 by 30 because it's a three-unit, a 3U CubeSat. And uh, we raised enough money, we got enough testing done, and we did it. And we flew it, and it deployed, and we're going to fly a second one. Oh, so for you listeners who, for some reason, are not members of the Planetary Society, you get, should join. Get with it. Planetary.org. Yay. Come on, it'll be fun. And, and tell us about your show on Netflix. So uh, the show is called Bill Nye Saves the World. Oh. Make No Small Plans. Wow, How is your head that- getting bigger? How hard could that be? That's a pretty heavy responsibility, Bill Yes, Nye. but it's a half hour. That's plenty. Oh, yeah. You could save the world in sure. 30 minutes. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Put on your cape. Let's and go. And then uh, 
on Netflix, it doesn't have to be a half hour. It can be 34 minutes. It oh, can, can be 29 minutes. Wait, can people binge watch you? Oh, yeah, yeah. So we did <gasps> 13 last October, and they're on the service, okay. as the saying goes. Okay. And we just shot 12 more, and they'll be on the service very soon. And this documentary is this on the circuit for on film On the circuit, October 27th. Well, film festivals are done. The deal now is real theaters. Okay. I mean, not that this is real theater. What I meant was what I'm saying. Yeah. There he goes. So in, tw Bill. in 20 cities, it'll it's be, gonna open. be on in theaters, and people, I hope, will pay money to come see the thing. Of course they will. And uh, Well, we'll see. And so no. uh, I let some disclosure. What are they supposed to do, Play pay with a Bitcoin? Uh, someday. <laughs> some disclosure. <laughs> I had no creative control. I signed a thing. I, okay. I had no uh, control over the film. A thing. Yeah, a, a contract. So well, the it, guys followed me around, and there's a couple parts of the, of the movie that make me want to kill myself, but really? it worked out. Oh, okay. I think that's probably true of anybody who's got a career, you know, we, and they might well, be hypercritical about ourselves. Well, there's maybe just more certain so. flaws that we, are, we see. Yes, yes, we see them first, yeah. Yeah. Look at that. Anyway, I think it's delightful, and we're so glad to have you here in Nevada City. This is it's your first beautiful. time. Yeah. Beautiful. I want to take him around the mines. And also because it was at the Miners Foundry, the Nevada City Film Festival, What did? what's the first thing you saw when you walked in the foundry? Pelton wheel. There you go. So you guys, uh, as a mechanical engineer, you take fluid mechanics, and one of your analyses is of pe the Pelton wheel. And uh, this is... In your mind's head, uh, there's a water wheel that you may have seen in the movie or, or you may see it in certain parks where the weight of the water makes the wheel go around. Mm -hmm. Just the dead weight of the water. The stream is above the wheel, the, the um, tailstock, uh, the, the outflow, the exhaust is at the bottom uh, below the wheel. Well, Pelton did an analysis that, where you can show, you can use some of the momentum of the flow, not just the fall of the stream, but the stream has a little horizontal velocity. And so you can, you can show that you want the speed of the cups or the buckets of the Pelton wheel to be exactly half of the flow of the stream. You can show that, theoretically, exactly right. half. It's elegant. It's and fabulous. And when I look at Pelton wheels, I go, that's cool. That is cool. I want to mine some gold <laughs> and have some spinning machines, man. Oh. I want to turn the flow of a stream into mechanical work. That's yeah. right. Yay. Now well, that's the whole thing. And uh, Useful work is often uh, in spinning. Uh, spinning a shaft is often a great thing. And That's it sounds like it could be cars um, and stuff. meditative as well. Spinning the shaft. Yes. Uh -oh. Like a top. <laughs> it never ends. Well, I thought there might be some other uh, dun, dun, direction dun. you were going. I there. wasn't. I went to a nasty director. And I'm, I'm sorry. shocked. I know. It's shocking. But, you know, you we are an be, adult. We so are. I. We should celebrate. I agree. The spinning... Okay, so if you had Excellent. a dollar for every time someone said, why do you wear a bow tie? And tonight I said, you know, Louis Farrakhan wears a bow tie. Why is it so, like, such a thing? So You brought it back. You made it a thing. Uh, so what I would tell you is the bow tie inherently is superior.
awesome. In that it does not f- slip into your soup. <gasps> it does not Useful. flip into the flask. No. So how many times you see guys sit down, hold their tie, right? They put their hand, uh, their arm across their tie so it doesn't fall in, on the table. And, and it so. doesn't, it's not cumbersome like suspenders. It's just a bow tie. And so it's cute what as hap- could be. Th- uh, so what happened was... I was uh, in high school, and the, every year there's the girls' athletic banquet where the ladies receive their awards for field hockey, volleyball, gymnastics, what have you. And the boys are the waiters. Ah. The boys serve the girls. In good training. So it occurred to me, yes. <laughs> it occurred to me that if at this event the girls would talk to us, there was a very reasonable, it was a very solid chance the girls would say a couple sentences yeah. to me. Odds are in your favor. Yes. Yeah. So my father was very good with knots, and um, he showed me how to tie a bow tie, and I tied every got everybody's tie in the boys' room of our high school. And, yeah, uh, Katie did talk to me briefly. Oh, goodness. Yeah. Uh, so that that was the start. But then I, I, I dabbled with the bow tie. But then when I started doing the show, I really was wearing a lab coat and I really was handling a bunch of equipment. It really is. What you see. Well, no, it doesn't fall into the your uh, apparatus. Yes. And so it's. Now it's the thing. There's no turning back. Right, no way. No, I can't. But I have to say something, and and then we can wrap this up. I, I saw a picture that took the internet by storm a few weeks ago. You, Flavor Flav, and Steve Jones from the Sex Pistols. Yes. Shirtless with some hot tamale in Vegas. Like, no, that I'm was fascinated a, by where you roll, Bill okay, Nye. No, so that was a, it's for a comedy show. That's coming out called AP Bio, and the premise is the guy is a biology teacher in Toledo, Ohio. Okay. And his buddy is living this extraordinary lifestyle in Los Angeles, the stereotypical extraordinary lifestyle. Of decadence, hedonism. Well, or decadence, just just opulence, just wealth. Yes. No, the guy is, the character in Los Angeles is very uh, hardworking author but he just can have these parties and that's you can just that's afford- the no 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 uh, that's steve jones no 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 oh. steve jones flavy flav and i are attending the party ah uh, and i uh, i'm not supposed to reveal okay. too much about it but it's just a a vignette within the show i see and the woman uh, this one joke was really appealing to me <laughs> she is a eyeglasses model Nice. <laughs> yeah, but she's she's in a bikini and, right. and she's striking. Right. But she's just she's modeling eyeglasses. The hot tamale. She just happens to yeah. be wearing a bikini. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's gorgeous. Yeah. yeah. And so when people ask, "Are you a scientist is her name. or an actor?" you say, "I'm both." I'm both. Yeah. Yeah. But when you say, "Am I a scientist?" I mean, I like to say we're all scientists. But professionally, I'm an engineer. I have a license. I took a lot of calculus. I took a lot of physics, mm. and uh, I took a lot of thermodynamics, heat transfer, and fluids, which is what the weather's all about. And uh, I took, I started to take a meteorology course, and uh, due respect, it just wasn't that challenging. Ah. 
Sorry. So that's Sorry, what gets your It's go- a lot of bookkeeping. No, no. In meteorology, there's a lot of bookkeeping. I think, it's very important. I think that Wind speeds, pressures, um, people moisture, do- dew points, very important. If you're doing something you love, there has to be excitement to it. Yeah, well, I like the airplanes. I like the jet there airplanes. I thought that was cool. And uh, somebody that's asked me. That's a problem we got to solve, by the way, everybody. No, if okay. you're out there, we pro- the most promising thing uh, in air travel is hydrogen turbines. They would work just like... The- uh, turbines, just like jet engines we have now, but they would use this very different fuel. And so if you're out there, if you're a chemical engineer or an entrepreneur or a venture capitalist, that's the problem we've got to solve is air travel. Mm. And uh, this idea of using uh, renewable or biofuels, uh, that's, uh, they're still pretty dirty. When they're all, mm. by, by that, I mean when you really manufacture them in large quantities, you produce a lot of... Uh, use a lot of energy and produce a lot of greenhouse gas. And the guy, you know who's really into this, who's really interested in this? The biggest user of jet fuel is the U.S. Navy. Oh, but They're of course. looking for a new type of jet fuel. Interesting. A new source for jet fuel. I, mean. I thought a dream date with Bill Nye here in town would be to take him to the um, the mining museum and to dream. the and to the dream. airport. Somebody said, "Well, how do you think I get here? I fly in here." And I'm like, "Yeah, there's a bunch of rich people that fly into the I'm airport." I'm not among them. I know. Uh, we took ground transportation, which was efficacious. Thank you so much for coming to our little it's, town. It's beautiful, you guys. Yeah. What's not to love? It's more bad, beautiful with so you in it. understand yeah. that one of the producers of the film and directors, Jason Susberg, is a native. He went to uh, Valley Union High School. He's Nevada. a minor. Is that right? That's the uh, team, the mascot? Was it, would that be Union. Nevada Union? That's the big high school. Yeah. Well, I think it changed names since he was there. Is that a true fact or a false fact? He's too fact? young. Was he on stage with you? Yeah, yeah. No, they're too young to have it. It was always Nevada Union. Okay, Yeah, Nevada so Union. the football team is called the... The Miners. The Miners. And so is the basketball team, and I presume the women's volleyball team. I think they're all Miners. They're all Miners. Yeah. Because the go. 49ers were taken. So, way to go. So, I guess you have another um, thing to go do. Yes. Social butterfly, go, Bill Nye. Yes, that's well. When you're, you rock. Thank you so much. When you're in Nevada City, you just, there's you a just lot gotta, to do. We're just going. Yeah. It doesn't close down. All right, down. I got to fly. We love you. Thank Mary, you for coming. Mary, St. Mary. Yes. I got to fly, Bill okay. Nye. The documentary film guy. There he goes out the door. He's fine. We love you. Thank you, Bill. Well, yay!